0: Our latest guest on Soundtracking is one seriously multi-talented lady. Emma Forrest is a journalist, novelist and screenwriter who is now added directing to her CV with her drama Untogether. Starring Lola and Jemima Kirk, Jamie Dornan, Billy Crystal and Emma's former husband Ben Mendelsohn Untogether tells the story of two sisters in the throes of relationships that are challenging for very different reasons. The music plays a key part in setting the tone with one specific track by Primal Scream, inspiring the whole film. More on that shortly. First, a word from our good friends at Picador, the publishers of Bridget Jones's diary, Adam Kay's This Is Going to Heart and Now, Help Me, How Self-Help Has Not Changed My Life. A laugh-out-loud true story of one woman's journey through the world of self-help books. Over the course of a year, Marianne Power lived her life strictly by the rules of different best-selling books every month, including The Power of Now, The Secret, and The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, a real voyage of discovery and one that throws up some unexpected results. Funny, achingly poignant, Help Me is the ideal read for anyone who's ever looked to a book to find happiness. Help Me, How Self-Help Has Not Changed My Life is available now in audiobook and in paperback from all good bookstores. And so to Untogether, which is scored by Robin Foster. And it's with Robin's track, Hercules Climbs the White Mountain, that we begin. Since this was the piece he played to Emma that provided the basis for the entire soundscape of the movie. to talk to you about this film. (laughs) So great! Also, we have such a lack of female directors that we can chat to, that we get the chance to, so it's a kind of double hit for me this week. thank you so much. You've written and directed (sighs) this film, Untogether, which I absolutely love, and the music in this film is extraordinary. Tell us a little bit, though, about the background to the film and the story and where the inspiration came from.
1: Well, actually... I'm really glad uh, to be here because the the inspiration for me with all the scripts that I write always comes from a piece of music attached to an image. And I wrote the script backwards because I just had this idea so strong in my head of a couple walking down a long, long, long mountain pathway together, getting smaller and smaller and smaller, but that you would stay with them. And. I was listening to Come Together, the Andrew Weatherall remix of the Primal Scream song. This
2: is a beautiful day. It is a new day. We are together. We are unified and on one accord. Together we got power. Apart we got power. Today on the stroke of you will hear gospel and rhythm and blues and jazz. All those are just labels. We know that music is music.
1: And that music and that picture. Um, were just so strong and I worked backwards from it and thought, well, what's the story? How did they end <laughs> up there? And the song, it really spoke to this idea I have of love as religious experience, a mm-hmm. sort of ecstatic experience, which also speaks to how I feel about music. You know, You, you can very easily drop from one wormhole into the other mm-hmm. if you're a music obsessive, if you're sort of a love addict. If you have addictive tendencies, um, if you have mental health issues, they all come and go in mm-hmm. and out of each other really easily, and that's that final image.
0: And it's it's so. I I was sitting watching it, and I could feel myself kind of gradually like getting up and further in my seat to check. I could still see <laughs> yeah. them walking down the, yeah. this path. It was it's it's brilliant and you've been writing for for a long yeah. time and an extraordinary connection with music yeah. through your writing from from way back yeah. as well was that always the the dream for you to to write and for music to have a, an element of of what you did
1: well i always had this feeling that the best music in the world makes you simultaneously want to die and live forever. <laughs> yeah. like, that's my best experience of seeing music yeah. live. And, and my connection to music was um, long before I ended up being diagnosed as bipolar, you know, when I was like from 11 and just not knowing, cause you don't know that other 11 year olds don't sit up at night on a school night having like these incredible dark nights yeah. of the soul. And I used to go to sleep Every night, the way I was able to get to sleep was I would listen to Rumours by Fleetwood Mac on vinyl. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and you know, I remember that point where I was like, almost half asleep and there would be time to, to turn, turn and that on side B, you had, uh, you know, the chain. So it was always um, a kind of Mm self-soothing. And funnily enough, all these decades later when I made Untogether, myself and my actors were all thinking about Rumours by Fleetwood Mac because of the way that, as I was was speaking to, love and addiction really melded on that album in a really beautiful way. And also the messiness of all the love affairs that were bleeding in and out of each other which was, you know, very much the case for me, my husband, who I was directing, but also separating from Jemima, who was getting divorced, Lola, who, you know, her and her sister have um, a- an ongoing uh, relationship to be solved, you know? Yeah. They, they don't have the easiest. Most sisters don't, yeah. you know? So that was our, our rumours replication. an amazing connection <laughs> yeah. of,
0: of, of all these things, you know, yeah. like you say, kind of connected at that time.
1: I think that um you know the best music journalists which I don't think I I was mm-hmm. I think that the best music journalists are able to do this insanely hard thing of describing what music sounds like mm. and if you can do that or if you can have the discipline of having tried to do that because I tried you might have a shot of being able to direct because ah, being able to direct you're you're trying to take these images that have been imprisoned inside you for so long and actually get them first onto the page and then onto the screen Mm. and it's really specific and it's really easy for it not to be clear
0: this wonderful story that you've 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 written and and directed about these sisters and they're both at very different stages in love yeah you know one's kind of falling in love but trying to not fall in love and the other one is trying to get out of love kind of thing it's it's brilliant and played by real sisters as you say Jemima and Lola I mean, the casting of this is extraordinary, you know, and, and, and Jamie and Ben as well, mm. just and, and Billy Crystal playing this... Oh. Jewish rabbi yeah. in it is I kind of like oh, kind of yeah. gasped when he came on yeah. the screen and it's just it was so perfect yeah. but to have that opportunity with your first film and I know that you've you've written a lot of scripts yeah. that have almost been made yeah. and, and kind of and I know how difficult it is yeah. as well but talk about how you got the kind of green light with this and and how you got there because I know there'll be lots of yeah what you know wannabe directors going how do I how yeah. do I do it how do I get that book? I mean a, a really
1: strange and difficult thing about being a screenwriter in Hollywood is it's very possible to make a living there and pay your rent for your entire life and never get a film made it really is like I know many really wealthy screenwriters who have not had films make it to the screen but they pay you to develop it. They pay you for every stage. You know, it, it, it's a well-paid business. Or you're a script doctor. I mean, like the first time I saw my words on screen, I didn't have a credit because I was the last writer on, and and and, and, and that yeah, is it, it's hard. It's a difficult feeling. And and what I didn't know until much later. So I had had these two films in a row collapse in pre-production. One was Lyra's A to E, which was a Richard Linklater movie, and then the next was Your Voice in My Head, which was from my own memoir mm. and. I was just so spun out after it had happened twice in a row and someone, a producer, fairly recently said to me, you know, it's pretty normal for films not to come together, mm-hmm. but it's actually really unusual to have a film fall over in pre-production. So to have that happen, bang, bang, is, yeah, it's disturbing and it leaves you feeling the time-space continuum has gone awry because that thing is still open yeah. for you, especially with your voice in my head when it was my own life. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just given this brilliant piece of advice by David Michaud, who directed Animal Ki- wrote and directed Animal Kingdom and had written quite a lot of films. And I was like, oh, man, you know, are, pe- are people going to be OK with me thinking that I can direct? And he was like, well, you know, I only took that next step because of the things that didn't get made, because otherwise it's unfinished architecture. That image really started with me. Oh, wow. What a great um, saying. Yeah. And uh, I ended up getting the financing because of Jamie Dornan. And look. I think I'm reasonably talented. I think that Jemima and Lola are insanely talented, but none of us were the green light, you know, and we held on to each other and we waited and I waited for them and they waited for me. And it took Jamie, who really is a feminist ally, because that is a supporting role. Mm-hmm. Like, he's brilliant in it, but yeah. he is not the lead. And agents don't even want to send scripts to A-list actors when They're not it's the not lead. for the lead. Yeah. Like, they just won't generally pass it on. Yeah, yeah. And I got to Jamie through his wife, who had read your voice in my head and had written me a really lovely letter about yes, she's that book. Been on the show? Has she? Yeah. yeah, I love, I love Millie. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we had sent it to Jamie through his agent, but she also was able to go. There is a script in front of you. Read it, and he came on, and he knew that he was the financing, and he knew it was Jemima's movie, you know, pretty much. And Ben as well, you know, he was a part of the of the financing, and certainly a draw for the other. Actors, and I remember him having a huge fight with the financiers because he did not want to have Billing above Jemima and Lola. Mm -hmm. And they wanted him to because he was perceived as a bigger star. And, like, you know, it almost became a big throwdown thing because he was like, you have to put their names above mine. So, both those guys are pretty unusual.
0: It's really interesting, though, because, you know, actors want to make good work. Whether they're the lead or not, they want to do good work and they want to make and form great relationships on screen, off screen with people. And I think that that's testament to the script that you've written, that these people have... I've said yes, and they yeah. and they want to do it because yeah. these roles and these characters are so interesting. They're complicated and yeah. they're layered and they're yeah. real as well. I mean, look. I mean, it's definitely true
1: that Billy Crystal never ever needs to work again. You know, <laughs> um, Jennifer Grey. I was embarrassed about sending her a role that was it was a small role that she's kick-ass <laughs> yeah, in, so but good. she had also she'd read your voice in
0: my head. Yeah. She's like, yeah, I don't mind what it is. I'll come do it amazing that's a great story yeah it's so encouraging as well in terms of you know yeah it's brilliant it's so good thank you um, and you've got robin foster doing the um yeah. the composing oh, wow. on this as well i mean what oh, a great job didn't he do great really good yeah. job I imagine, well, I was wanting to ask you about what the kind of conversations that you had with them as well. And I imagine that, you know, all these different tracks that we heard about the Primal Scream and how that inspired the whole film, but mm. Susie and the Banshees and mm. REMs mm. in there in a brilliant mm. narrative way. Yeah. And so great. And Belly as well. Yeah. You know, there's some brilliant needle drops in there as well. Yeah. Were they in the script and talking to. Yeah, they were
1: in the script. And, and, and what was funny um, and sort of Kismet, there's a lot of Kismet with this movie. Um, With Robin Foster, who did such a beautiful job, when I was talking to composers, I said, look, my reference for the soundtrack is Spirit of Eden by Talk Talk, which a lot of it sort of sounds like nighttime bird call, like it sounds (laughs) like um, a dawn chorus of of animals and and, uh, waking up, and that was something visually I thought a lot about is all animal life in LA that people because I wanted to show LA in a way that we don't usually see on screen partly because I was always on foot because I didn't drive and I was also hyper aware of that animals that LA is built on somewhere wild like you're not supposed to live there yeah you're not really like meant (laughs) to live in the desert and uh, Robin Foster said that is my favorite album of all time so that was a really lovely Coincidence. Could yeah. it be
0: awkward if went? Who? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, composers love.
1: I didn't know it. Composers love Spirit of Eden by Talk Talk. He just he just did such a, a gorgeous job. And those those other tracks, they were all in the script then? They were all in the script. Um there were definitely we were really lucky as well because we had a music supervisor called Tiffany Anders mm-hmm. who when things were too expensive and there were a few things that were I feel like I am fairly knowledgeable about music but she definitely knew things you know on the scale of well if you like this but you can't afford this have you listened to this she was great and um, it wasn't until after I'd hired Tiffany Anders that I found out she's the daughter of Alison Anders who wrote and directed Gas Food Lodging which is one of my favourite touchstone movies well this
0: is all like serendipity it's It's all all over this this stuff is kind of incredible
1: yeah it really is and um, she also Tiffany She really made things easy for us because near the very, very start, when I said I wanted to use Shiny Happy People by R.E.M., Michael Stipe spread the word, loved the script and loved the cast and gave it to us for such a small amount of money. God bless Michael Stipe. That everyone else thereafter, when they were asking for decent amounts of money, we were like, we can't give you more than we're giving R.E.M. Amazing. You know, and I think I think they gave it to us for like $2500. Wow.
2: Something
1: crazy. <laughs>
0: Artists are, you know, they're in, a, they're in a position where they're, you know, the idea of their music being used in a, in a different artistic mm, manner mm, mm. Is, is a wonderful thing because it's someone else's interpretation of that music yeah. relating to a character yeah. or storyline yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And the idea, I mean, we've had so many stories of people on the show about the ridiculous amounts of money that people ask for tracks. Yeah todd phillips the legendary one that we remember is todd phillips wanting to use a guns N' roses track and they wanted a million for it and he just went fuck you axl rose yeah. kind of thing and used yeah. something else yeah. it's ridiculous yeah. you know it's kind of it's it's encouraged artistic form encourage artistic creativity you know rather than kind of just trying to cash in on it
1: there the, uh, look uh, uh, this film is perfect for your podcast we have so many soundtrack stories i mean like i had to fight really hard to get the Susie and the Banshees song because reading the synopsis of the movie and the stuff about the rabbi, they said no, you can't have it. And I was like, really? Does she re- like it's got these really idiosyncratic female leads as she read it? Yeah. Turns out they thought that it was an evangelical movie. Oh wow. Like wow. like one of those weird Christian yeah, 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 you know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Bible movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, can you explain to Susie that it's not? not and yeah. then we got it. Yeah. I ended up with Shining Happy People by R.E.M. because originally in the script, and what I should say is that it's two people having sex to the song that they have decided would be the most difficult song <laughs> to have sex, sex to. to. <laughs> so what I had written, are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> it was Money for Nothing by Dire Straits. <laughs> 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 and I said to our music supervisor, I was like, Mark Knopfler's going to love this. <laughs> He's going to find it hilarious. And we got a letter back saying, under no circumstances, you cannot use this song. He didn't think it was funny. Like
0: but that. Michael Stipe did think yeah. it was funny. Great. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> That's so, so great. ask you about this jeff buckley yeah. screenplay that you wrote oh, and yeah. what i have framed cover of grace in my office yeah. at, at home sort of thing and it's kind of it's such a romantic thing around him you yeah. know in terms of the tragedy around yeah. how he died and stuff and you know there's always all these stories about oh this film's happening about and this is this 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 mm-hmm. this this, this, mm-hmm. this and just from I don't know, you know, reading about you and your history with, mm. with music and artists and, you know, all the stuff that you've written about musicians and things mm. in the past. I was like really excited when I learned that you'd written a script about, about him sort of thing. But do you think that might ever come No, to it
1: won't. Um, so someone I, I really, really respect is Brad Pitt, who came to me to write that script. I think this is has to be pretty unusual. I had interviewed him for Esquire when I was a journalist oh, wow. years ago. And we ended up, talking about Jeff Buckley, which I didn't even really remember until I had a voice message on my answer phone. And I was like 23, I think, from Brad Pitt saying, Hey, it's Brad. Um, Do you remember we were talking about Jeff? And, you know, I really want to make a a movie about him. And can we talk? Amazing that he came to you about it. There was something I must have said about Jeff. And also, you know what? Huge points for Brad. My piece, my Esquire piece was not a puff piece. Like it was not one of those you know isn't he great isn't he approved brilliant? by a PR yeah. i think there were things in it that annoyed the pr but um i do remember working really hard on it and really liking him and um he saw something in it so we worked on that for a while and he had really interesting ideas and i d- he wasn't even sure he wanted to play him and uh ultimately jeff's mum had approval on mm. the script and she didn't she didn't like the script okay. and i don't I don't hold that against her because mm-hmm. people have the right to grieve the way they want to grieve yeah. and to remember yeah. the way they want to remember. Um but I have been offered other biopics and the first question I always ask is if family has approval and if they yeah. do. I, I just think it's really it's really tricky. Yeah. And that's why, you know, the 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 Todd Haynes Dylan movie is really interesting because it just takes it as a starting point and then goes off into this sort of mad poetry Mm. um but yeah I wouldn't do it again that way
0: for you as a as a a film fan and a music fan are there moments watching films through the years that you really remember the music within that film oh god I mean all
1: the time I mean the, the 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 first thing that leaps to the forefront <laughs> of my brain as soon as you ask that is the Spanish language version of Crying in Marholland Drive in Club Silencio when you realize that she was miming to the music. I've probably watched that
2: a hundred sounds... times, yeah. Yo Luego anoche te vi, tu mano me tocó Y el saludo de tu voz Te hablé muy bien y tú Sin saber que he estado llorando Por tu amor llorando, por tu amor luego de tu adiós sentido.
0: But I see a lot of your film in, in that, in a way, in terms of how beautifully Mulholland Drive captured, like you say, parts of L.A. that you don't see. And I think that Mulholland Drive did that as well, you know, in terms Thank of it wasn't you. all about the kind of the glitz and no. the, it's about the yeah. kind of the slightly rough edges of it and the yeah. real elements yeah. of it as well.
1: Yeah, look, I think. It's hard to make a good film because there's so many ways it can go wrong and there's so many people involved and there's so many voices and there may actually just be legal things, reasons why you don't have your cut. Like I'm still amazed that I maintained my edit of the film. But what is hard to do and I always see as an achievement is a mood, just to conjure mm. a mood. And obviously music is such a big part of that. Mm. But, you know, Holland Drive, like you feel the dread, you feel the loneliness, you feel the lust. I mean, the, the, the horrific scene where she's sobbing and masturbating at the same time. So just to get texture into a film, even when a film doesn't have like the strongest narrative drive, I especially having made a film, mm-hmm. now it's just, it's an achievement to have a mood on yeah. screen.
0: How did you feel on the first day? I felt great
1: you know I I'm someone who's always driven my family crazy because when we go for walks I feel like they always stand on the corner at crosswalks like trying to decide which way to go (laughs) and and I'm like just go this way I'm not gonna stand here let's just go and (laughs) and the thing about directing is accepting from the off that you have to make decisions Mm -hmm. and they may be the wrong decisions you have to be okay with that but you have to decide so for me like I'm super Capricorn My mum says there's two kinds of Capricorns. There's yard-dwelling goats, which (laughs) she is, and there's mountain-climbing goats, which (laughs) I am. And I just, you know, I like deciding. Yeah. I like walking fast, you know. (laughs) So I loved directing and I loved, um, I really loved editing. I loved the idea that you could find other paths, find other stories that you hadn't written into the script. Yeah. And a lot of the time with the editing, kind of a weird gift is that we had so little money. So there's things you just have to Mm -hmm. solve. Like I had a day when I was meant to shoot my transitions and all my transitions were going to be the wildlife of LA. I was going to shoot the coyotes and the bobcats and the owls and the lizards, all of that. And we had that day taken away. So my editor and I just had to make an executive decision that we don't have transitions. We go from face to face to Mm -hmm. face to face. And that's a heavy choice and we had no option but to say it's a style choice, mm-hmm. but it's not what I had planned. Did you use temp score? No, we didn't actually,
0: no. What point did you speak to, to Robin? What type, when did he come in?
1: Early, early on, pretty early on. And I think there there's a track in there that is something that he already had on a previous album of his that I just asked him to expand mm-hmm. on. But he lives in, in France, so we were not never in a room, which oh, also wow. is not
0: ideal but we were okay there's a piece called come back yeah that's just oh it's amazing yeah unbelievable he's done such a great job he has bit about the performance that ben gives as well as as the singer yeah which is is an extraordinary journey for a character in those kind of three minutes or whatever it is and stuff and how how you navigated that and the piece of music and creating that and
1: well you know obviously ben and i have been together at that point for like six years i think we know each other really well and part of knowing each other really well is really easy cultural reference points so i was able to literally say to him Okay, Ben, I want a Bauhaus vocal, Iggy Pop knees and Britney Spears eyes. (laughs) And he got it because he's one of the best actors in the world. But he knew all those things and he knew exactly how to do that. And if you rewatch it, you'll see.
0: (laughs) He looked like he was having, you know, even though the characters uh, to start with is not particularly having the best time. Yeah. But but you can tell that he's kind of relishing that. Ben was very, very
1: close with um, Michael Hutchins and kind of grew up under his tutelage oh, wow. in Melbourne back yeah. in the day. So I think he was feeling a lot of that. I know he's feeling some Nick cave, obviously. Yeah. And uh, I was really, really careful that even though, or maybe because we were parting, I wanted to shoot him in a way that he hadn't been shot before because I know him, I think he has like the most beautiful neck, the most beautiful hands, like amazing feet. And we sort of shot him like an ingenue. Like he's really never looked that good on screen before and we worked you know to make sure mm-hmm. that we had all the best angles and the best light yeah it's so good <laughs> really really is
0: are you already thinking about the next thing yeah if you, and, and, it, and, and it, it
1: started with a piece of music like I have the piece and that's see I have oh, quite a brilliant. lot of scripts in the drawer and <laughs> when a nice my position agent, to be in no I mean <laughs> the good thing about being a writer is that you can always write the next thing mm-hmm. like the hard thing about only being a director which I'm not is you, 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 yeah. you can't go into a room and direct like someone has to give you money but writing you can always be writing so I have several scripts that have been sitting there and my agent was like look you know you kind of have to decide and I called her the other day and I said well now I've got this piece of music in my head for the end of of, of that movie so I, I need to focus on that. Mm-hmm.
0: Can you tell us what it is?
1: Yeah, I mean I'll feel humiliated if I don't get the rights to use it. But but um it's it's a a horror film in the vein of Rosemary's Baby that would end with We Belong by Pat Benatar. Oh
0: my god. I love that <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, hurry up, hurry up and <laughs> make it. Hurry up. Yeah. Um listen, I'm I'm so so grateful for your time and, and just brilliant to get to chat to you about this and And look forward to chatting to you about the next one. Thanks so much for your time, Emma. Thank thank you. you. Cheers.
2: Many times I tried to tell you, many times I cried alone. Always I'm surprised how well you cut my feelings to the bone. Don't want to leave you. I've missed too much.
0: Soundtrack to Emma Forrest's next film, With Any Luck, that's We Belong by Pat Benatar, rounding off this latest episode of soundtracking with the novelist, screenwriter, and now director. My huge thanks to Emma for taking the time to talk to us, and Together is available on home entertainment formats now and is a highly accomplished debut. Now we'll put a Spotify playlist up for the show. By edithbowman.com which is also the place to subscribe to the podcast and catch up with all of our previous episodes follow us on facebook instagram and twitter we are at soundtracking uk and please do keep spreading the word on your socials if you like what you hear next up we are reunited with the first guest we ever recorded for the podcast mr john favreau i very much
2: look forward to the pleasure of your company then